Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to the Grief to Growth podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he's here to help you grow where you've been planted. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. His sincere hope is that this episode helps you today. And now, a brief word from our sponsor. When I decided I was going to do a podcast, I knew there were more moving parts than most people expect. How do you record a podcast? Where do you host it? How much will it cost? Do I need special software? How do I distribute it? All these questions were in my mind. I was all set to go with another podcast hosting company. Then I heard about Anchor. I believe that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place. You can use it right from your phone or from your computer. Anchor is not only free, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor's creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M as in FM radio. And now back to our episode. Today's episode is my first dedicated interview for the podcast. And I have with me today, Michelle Clare. Michelle is a three-time near-death experiencer, an evidential medium, and an intuitive life coach. We talked about Michelle's three distinct near-death experiences, uh, the ongoing connections of loved ones who have quote-unquote departed still in her life, and how she uses the connections that she has with higher beings in her life coaching business. So I hope you enjoy the episode, and without further ado, here's Michelle Clare. Everyone, this is Michelle Clare. Uh, welcome to Grief to Growth, my, my inaugural podcast episode. And Michelle is a certified evidential medium, uh, intuitive coach, uh, intuitive life coach, I should say, and has had more than one near-death experience. And when I say that Michelle is an evidential medium, I mean that Michelle delivers message with evidence that she's connecting to your loved one. I met Michelle when she was doing her certification process, um, and I was one of Michelle's test sitters, and she did an excellent job, and we've been in contact since then. One thing Michelle says is we are being helped and guided from the other side and that if we could see souls instead of bodies, the illusion that our loved ones have disappeared would vanish. So with that, I want to welcome Michelle. And if you could, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about your near-death experiences. Yeah. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Well, I've had three near-death experiences and each one of them has been very individual and very unique. Um, None of them was I going to the light and doing those things that you normally hear about. Uh, The first one actually happened in April 2000, and I was um, at a hospital because my niece had just been born that day, and I had a seizure out of the blue. And so during that seizure, what I remember is laying with my head in my grandma's lap, and she had passed a few years before that. And I was on the ground. She was kneeling next to me, so my head was in her lap. And I was looking up at this angel standing next to her who was honestly about 14 feet tall. And I had always known they were big, but I had never seen one, and I was not imagining it to be that big. 
Um, and so as I was looking at it, I thought in my head, I was thinking, you know, what is your name? And it answered, she answered me in her head. She said, um, her name was Madeline. And I honestly had never felt so much love before in my life. Um, not just from the angel, but from my grandma and from the whole place that I was, you know, I was really focused at that time on just my grandma and the angel. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really aware of everything around me. Um, but the love was unbelievable. And I just remember that the level of peace isn't even a level that we have words for here and contentment and not needing anything. It was just amazing. So, um, did you have any feeling of transition? I mean, you were just here and then you were there. Yeah, it was just that fast. Um, so there, there was no transition. I was just like standing one minute and the next minute I was laying with my head in my grandma's lap and, wow, and, okay. and so, um, as I was there, I don't know how long I felt like I was there, but, um, what, what brought me back was I heard them yelling code, 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 cause I was in the hospital and I had stopped breathing. So mm -hmm. when they were started yelling code, it's what kind of woke me up and brought me back. So it's, it began and ended very quickly. Like I was just there and then I was just here. I don't remember any transition back or forth between those two um, dimensions. Wow. Yeah. How long ago was that? So that was in 2000, April 2000. So okay. 19 years ago. Okay. Yeah. And then um, in May 2006, I had another one. And that one was, um, I was having surgery after I had my son. I had had a lot of complications. So I was about six weeks out of, of um, delivering him. And I had to go in for a, a surgery. And they actually ruptured through um, my uterus and missed my aorta by less than a millimeter. Mm -hmm. So during that time, I um, this experience starts. It was supposed to be a 45-minute procedure. It turns into a three-and-a-half-hour emergency procedure. But what I remember from that is laying on the gurney and um, I see my white shepherd. I had a German shepherd that I love so much. She's like my soul dog, you know, that one, right? And she had passed a few years before that too. And she comes up and she just lays her head on the gurney looking at me. And she always did that at night. I'd wake up at night when she was here and she'd just be checking on me, you know? And I see her. And so the next thing I know, we are on this phenomenal island and we are just running, jogging along the beach and mm -hmm. running and running. And what I'm aware of is there is no time. It's literally each breath, each step that I'm taking. Mm -hmm. There's nothing before. There's nothing after. I am not worried about anything. I do not know how I got here. Um, and we're running and running. And the other thing that is interesting is I noticed we never get tired or hot or thirsty. <laughs> and here's the funny thing about that for people who, who talk about near death experiences mm -hmm. of maybe not being real. My idea of heaven would never be running. I, I always tell my friends, if you see me running, call 911. <laughs> this is an emergency. I'm yeah. not out for a jog, right? So it was really funny that that was my near death experience is running on this beach. Uh, one of the things, though, about being on that beach is I remember I could look down around and kind of see where the island started uh, curving, and mm -hmm. I remember I was not allowed to go. I wasn't supposed to go around that curve, so my dog was there just to keep me company. And but there was uh, like a, a barrier that you not, you weren't supposed to cross, and that's pretty common in near death experiences. Yeah, yeah. So I and I just knew it, and there was nothing, you know. I didn't find it wasn't upsetting because or anything like that. It just was what it was. Mm -hmm. And um, really, what I took away from that, I always call that one my eternal moment because that was the first time that I really remember um, feeling eternity and no time all at the same time. Um, there was nothing there that I needed to worry about. And that contentment, that love, that peace, that joy, the, the feelings we really don't even have words for in our language that yeah. were surrounding me. It was beautiful. The just being in the moment that, that, and, and that's what's, I think it's difficult for us to understand when people have near-death experience and say there's no time. It's, it's mm -hmm. for us that live in time and usually under such time pressure to just understand that, that eternal now is a difficult concept. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and had I not experienced that, I'm not sure that I would understand that. Right. Um, but that, the only way I really can describe it is think about when you're going for a walk, if it was only each breath you took, each step you took. That mm-hmm. was it. Nothing before, not the step before and not the step after. That is what it felt like. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and then imagine peace and joy and contentment and all these amazing feelings and no worry, no cares. That was, yeah. It's amazing I came back. It was a good thing I didn't go around the corner, I guess. So yeah. <laughs> that, was, um, that was my second one. And once again, I don't remember, you know, transitioning back into my body. I just remember then waking up from surgery in the recovery room. Okay. And then my third one was in November 2011, which is actually also when a lot of this big mediumship stuff started happening for me. Mm-hmm. I was up on a 14, well, my ceilings are 14 feet tall in my kitchen and I was up on a 12 foot ladder. We have candles that have batteries in them and they pop on every night, you know, at the same time. So I was changing the batteries and I have three kids. My younger two were home. They were five and eight at the time. And I felt the ladder start to shift and I knew I was going to fall and it went down. And as it went down, I hit the back of my head on the corner of my granite kitchen island. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a five and a half inch skull fracture, a brain bleed. I missed my brainstem by half an inch. I lost my taste, my smell, my hearing, my equilibrium. I had a lot of issues, but mm-hmm. that was my third one. And um, at that time, what I remember is I was actually almost over one of the counters in my kitchen and I was watching myself fall. And I remember there were um, three, three beings there, two females, no, two males, one female. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I did not know that they were life guides. I just thought they were people. Um, once again, that love and that peace and that um, timeless feeling. And basically, at that point, I was given the choice that I could stay or I could go. And it was really interesting to me because as I'm making this decision, I'm watching myself fall off the ladder and I'm thinking, you know, my body's going to hit the ground in about a second. And yet there was no urgency. I literally felt like I had forever to make that decision mm-hmm. on, on what I wanted to do. And, and I remember at the time thinking that is really strange. How can I, you know, take as long as I want when I have one second. Anyway, at that point in time, I also could see my five-year-old son who was watching me fall off the ladder and my eight-year-old and seeing them there. And, you know, I think it would be really hard for any parent to be able to see their children and then decide to go knowing that you're going to leave them in that type of situation. And so I, so I chose to stay, obviously. Um, The funny thing is in hindsight, sometimes I think, you know, maybe God used reverse psychology on me in that moment. Like he wanted me to think I had a choice, right? So I, so he's like, here, but we'll show you your kids. And then we know you won't really make that choice. So I don't know how, how that worked out. But after that head injury, um, you know, I got back um, home about 10 days later from being in the hospital and um, my son who was five, so this, my head injury happened on 11, one 11. So people who like numbers like that, because it's a lot of ones, uh, yeah. my, yeah, my son, the, um, in January, I guess it was. So January, 2012, when I started to, um, you know, look more normal, look like things were going to be okay. And, and he was five. He started telling people, you know, I didn't need to be there when mom had her accident. Sophie could have mm-hmm. done it because Sophie's the one um, who we called 911, who called 911. And mm-hmm. we thought he had um, tried and it hadn't gone through. So um, he started getting really depressed. And um, we had say, Josh, you open the door for the policeman, you know, and just try to build him up. There was nothing we could say. Let me backtrack for just a moment. I was 12 years old when my grandfather passed. And when I was 12, I did recognize I had a connection with him that still went on and communication with him. And at that point in time, I would tell my mom, well, grandpa says, and, and she would say, well, I know you think he would say that if he was here, you know? And so yeah. it just kind of went on like that. And I never really thought much about it because it was really natural and it didn't happen outside of just information that maybe I would need to know. So it was just kind of part of life. So my head injury, this is my grandfather who passed in 2012. The end of January, my grandfather came through to me, and this is my first big visit um, from my head injury, and actually probably my biggest one ever for myself. 
he actually manifested in front of me, which normally I do not see people. They don't manifest for me. Most mm-hmm. people, some mediums see that. That's not me. I get most of my information through feeling. But he manifested in front of me. He started talking about my accident. He started talking about my son. And then he said to me, you should get the 911 recording. There's something on there you should know. Mm. And I thought, well, that's, it was just actually almost too much, you know, right, all of that right. at once. So I went, so I did. I requested it. I had never thought of getting the 911 recording, and I don't think anyone else had ever mentioned it to me. I requested it. It took two weeks to come. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when it came, I, I played it, and there's call number one. Call number one was my son's call. It actually did go through. Okay. And you hear his little broken voice. The operator says, 911, what's your emergency? And he says, Sophie, what do I say? And then he lays down the phone. So I think he called literally as it happened. And the trauma of that moment, he, he had forgotten actually that he called. Oh, okay. So then you hear um, the operator for about a minute and a half trying to get their attention. You can hear them talking in the background. And at one point, my son tells my daughter he's going to go push the panic button on the house alarm. Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, hold on, let me try calling 911 first. And she hangs up the phone and then her call oh, goes through. Okay. So they both, both of their calls went through. Right. So when, it was unbelievable. And I would have never known that had my grandfather not come through in the way that he did. So when he came, my son came home from kindergarten that day, I told him, I said, Josh, your call went through. And it was like I lifted a 10,000 pound weight off this kid's shoulders. And you just saw like his sense of self-worth and um, his feeling of I'm a capable being all just come flooding back into him. And I'm telling you, it changed the course of his life. Wow. And my grandfather never walked this earth when he was here. So if you want to, like, I mean, they should never have even met, right? That that brings up an interesting point that, you know, when our loved ones cross over, we kind of feel like they're out of our lives. But your grandfather, who had never met your son, was clearly aware of what's going on here in the here and now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that was one of the most amazing parts of that visit for me was, I guess I always realized he was connected to me, but I did not realize up until that moment that he's not just connected to me. He's connected to all of my loved ones, to his loved ones and to what is going on in our present moment. Yeah. So you had three, three different NDEs. Another thing I, I, I kind of gathered from your NDEs, they're all very different. And some people will say, well, NDEs are just an illusion because people see different things. But I, I believe that NDEs are tailored to what we need. Mm-hmm. And I think, it's, I think your experience has kind of proved that, right? Each one was so different, but each one gave you something that you really needed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and I do think, here's the thing. When people are having seizures, most people don't report any memories during that time because your brain's literally going haywire, right? You have right. all of these. Um, and so the fact that I would be able to have this huge seizure that was so big that I stopped breathing and they were calling a code and yet come back with these very vivid memories of feelings and what I saw, that doesn't even compute that you would be able to do that. Right. Absolutely. So um, you did indicate that you saw spirit some before any of these things happened. You, you said your mm-hmm. grandfather you had a connection with, with when you were younger. Mm-hmm. But would you say your abilities were enhanced after one or more of your NDEs? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, on that first one that I had when I saw my grandma and the angel, I feel like that one really just opened up more of my connection to the angel realm. And then I was able also, I I had been able to communicate with my grandma too. So I think that enhanced that. Um, The second one I had with my dog, you know, I'm not sure. Part of me feels like that one was just so I could realize what eternity really, really felt like and absorb Mm -hmm. that and Mm -hmm. also be able to realize the peace and the love and the completeness and the non-judgment and all of these amazing things that are there waiting for us. It it almost ended up being more of like a a little mini soul vacation, I guess, because I think about it like my body was down here going through trauma and I'm sure it was chaos, you know, at that time in the operating room or controlled chaos, you know, however Mm -hmm. you want to think about it. Um, and yet my soul was able to go to this place where it just didn't even matter anymore. Yeah. You know? And then my last one, obviously I do believe on that one, 
the things that I brought back that I remember, um, I did not know I was in my mind and my body here that I was going to come back, you know, working as a medium, but I do believe on it that NDEs happen on levels, right? Mm -hmm. So I believe what I know happened here and this is what I bring back with me, but I also believe there are higher soul level decisions that are being made between me and God or the universe or source or, you know, however you want to mm -hmm. name the higher power, right? And, and, and decisions that are being made, you know, maybe for the highest good, which I might not, for me, in my mind, in my body, that was coming back to raise my kids, right? It was going to yeah. be the highest good. But obviously, there were decisions made that I don't remember that actually were probably even for a higher good than me being able to raise my kids. Yeah. So, um, so you, you came back after the third one, your abilities, I think, were opened up even more. When did you actually decide to become a medium? Um, you know, it took me a couple of years after that. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, at first, I was a little bit um, nervous when I started getting information for other people. As long as it was for me, it didn't matter, right? Because I could just, you know, keep that between myself. But the um, information I started getting for other people and then feeling the need to share it with them is kind of what started pushing me out of my comfort zone. And I also um, was not raised in an area that was really... Um, comfortable with this too. You know, I mean, right. I was, uh, I, I was raised Catholic. Here's the really good part about being raised Catholic is you are raised to ask Mary and the angels and saints, and you have all these people and beings that you can ask for help. Right. So that part was really good for me. But, um, my mom was always, when I tell her about this worried, like, well, if there's good, there's evil, aren't you afraid you're going to bring the evil in, you know, and she yeah, kind of brought yeah. that fear with her. Um, and then for my husband, he was raised Baptist. And for him, that was just very, scary, right? Yeah. It just goes against everything that he believes should even be allowed to happen. Right, right. So I, with it now? Uh, you know, I would say um, he is supportive, but he's not, uh, yeah, he would never ask me to read for him. If he, if he says, how'd your days go? He just really wants to know good or bad. <laughs> like, yeah, don't tell yeah. me any details, you know? So it's, he's a work in progress. We're, we're moving forward, you know, but yeah, I, I, I was raised fundamentalist Christian, so I could, I could understand that. And I, I remember when I first even started doing yoga, some of my friends freaked out because they said, you know, like you said, I was like, well, I'm opening up, I'm connecting with spirit. And they're like, well, if you're opening up to, to good spirits, you could be open up to bad spirits too. Right. So I, I, can, I can understand that. But it's mm -hmm. interesting you talk about the Catholic and being able to speak out or reach out to angels and Mary and other beings because that's something that we didn't have in my tradition. And I hear a lot of people talking about that now. So that was the right. advantage I think you had. Absolutely. Because I always felt like there was a, a whole level of beings of light that were willing to help and wanted to help. Um, and, and so that just that part came natural. So now, you know, when I work with angels or when I get information on higher levels, well, of course, because it just feels natural. They were always there. They always wanted to help. You just have to ask. Yeah. And I do believe that no matter what you're raised or not raised to believe. I mean, the, the levels of help and love and light that are available to all of us are truly more than we could imagine. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. Wow. So what about like uh, uh, spirit guides or, or, or guides? Do we all have guides? Do we have more than one guide? Yes, we all have guides. Um, we all have at least one main guide that will stay with you for your entire life. Kind of like you're um, the guy in charge of your your path, right? Or mm -hmm. female, whoever. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so you'll always have at least one that stays with you the whole time. Um, it's my understanding, though, that there will be others that rotate in depending on, you know, what your challenge is at mm -hmm. that point in time, what the mission is you want to accomplish, you know, almost like they kind of specialize in certain areas, right? So if you're working on, okay, I'm going to start this business, well, then you have a business life guide kind of come in and help you grow it. Um, so I did not, I was not raised with life guides and I actually didn't even know at my third, um, near death experience that those were my life guides. It wasn't until later on that I was able to connect those dots. 
But interestingly mm -hmm. enough, um, we had never used that word around my kids because it wasn't even a word I used. And when my son was five years old, so this was after my accident and I was sitting there having lunch with him and I was so tired of not being able to taste my food. It was just a filling in your mouth, right? Mm -hmm. And then also there's something called phantom taste and smell and I would get that and that was horrible. It was like rotting, burning bodies is what mm -hmm. I would taste if I tasted something. So I was sitting there with him and I, and I said, you know, Josh, when do you think I'm going to get my taste and smell back? More just like talking out loud, you know? And he, and he said, well, you need to pray about it more. And I said, who told you that? Because I knew it was going to be my very good Catholic mom, right? Yeah, yeah. And he said, he looks at me and he says, my life guide, Hanson. And oh, wow. I, yeah. I about fell out of my chair because that was not a word we had ever used or he would have ever heard. And I said, your life guide, Hanson. Nor did we know anyone with that as a first or last name. It, mm -hmm. You know, this came from him. And I said, well, what does he look like? And he said, well, he's tall like dad and he has brown hair and brown eyes. And he said, and Hanson says, you just need to pray about it more. And I was like, okay. And, you know, the Catholic in me, I'm like, let's go. All right. <laughs> let's get that yeah. taste and smell back, right? But um, it was just really amazing to me because in a way, even though I had met my life guides, my son, who was five, knew his, and I still didn't know mine. Wow. So do you think kids are more connected than we are? Or do you think we kind of yeah. grow out of that or? I absolutely think we grow out of that. I think, you know, kids come in here when you, when you're around infants, you know, and they're looking at ceilings and they're laughing at no one standing behind you. And, you know, I think we all come in here with this connection. And then mm -hmm. what happens is the world tells us, you know, no, you're not seeing that that's not happening. This is what we believe. And we let the world shape us intentionally or unintentionally. And so by doing that, what happens is we start disconnecting these mm -hmm. channels that we came in here with. Wow. So um, you, did you become a medium first or a life coach first? I think it's a very interesting, uh, intriguing combination of, of things to, to be a medium and a life coach. Yeah. Well, so then what happened um, a few, a couple years after my head injury, I started mentoring with Jamie Clark and I mentored with him for three years. And that was just mm -hmm. because I didn't know anyone uh, who could help guide me and help me understand information I was getting or maybe how to word it or even, you know, I just didn't know anyone. So mm -hmm. he turned, he was, a, he is a phenomenal mentor um, and very helpful at helping me understand where I was going with this. So that's where I started working on being able to connect. Also, at first, I will tell you, I was a little bit worried about kind of the on-demand part of it because yeah. for the first year, a lot of that information, I'd just be walking, you know, wherever and boom, it would hit me. But I wasn't sure that I could sit down and still access that same information. So that so was, was it hitting you, like people you meet on the street or in restaurants or something or you would just get information about them? Yeah, it would. Mostly it was people that I knew um, mm -hmm. that I could give the information to. Um, but sometimes it would be people I didn't know. And honestly, I wouldn't always give that information. Sure. And even today, I don't, if that happens, which it doesn't usually happen, but if it does happen, I really have to read the situation before I would walk up to someone and give them information because you can do a lot more harm than good depending on where that person is in their life sure. and what they believe, you know? Sure. Um, so I, so I did the, the mentoring um, with Jamie, and that's where the mediumship really started to grow. And then as far as the, the life coaching, I call it intuitive life coaching mm -hmm. because I have not taken a specific class. But what I do with that is I literally reach up to your angels, your guides, higher level of wisdom um, when I'm working with someone. And I say, okay, you know, where do we need to go from here? What does this path look like? What, mm -hmm. what do you believe is the best option or what direction should this person be going in um, to fulfill their soul's you know, purpose, you know, and, and stuff so like you're that. You're like a so, channel for their angels or their guides, right? So you're, you're, you're providing that, that connection for them. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it really works out well because what happens is people then begin to start connecting on their own. If I tell them, I don't always get names, mm -hmm. um, but when I'm talking about life guides, you know, or even angels, I'll say it's, it's kind of similar to this. My kids call my dad Boppy instead of Grandpa. And he answers to it just fine. We all know when they say Boppy, they mean my dad, Grandpa, right. Right? right? And I feel like it's very similar for your life guides and your angels. If you don't get a name that comes to you, name them what you want. We know who you're talking about. They still right. meet you with love. They're happy to help. You know, so, so I think that that's um, 
part of it is just making that connection and being aware that you have them. But then when I'm able to say, okay, and also your life guides are saying this or your angels are saying this, then it really helps people feel that connection mm -hmm. um, and start working on it for themselves. Now, we, we all have life guides, but most of us are unaware of it. So mm -hmm. can they help us if we don't ask them? Should we ask them? Should we try to reach out to them? Mm -hmm. I do believe um, I do believe in free will. I really mm -hmm. do. So I do believe we need to ask for that help. Otherwise, we'd basically just be puppets down here and they'd be doing what they want with us, right? right. Um, here's the thing about asking for help. I believe we really only have to ask them once. If you mm -hmm. ask them, like, will you please come into my life? You're not just saying, like, today to, to the next hour. If you ask them into your life once, I believe that's enough for them. But okay. it's usually not enough for us as a human because we forget that we've invited them in and we've asked for help. So for on our end of it, you know, I think it takes some of us asking every day for a while to remember, oh, yeah, I have help. I'm not alone in this. Mm -hmm. But on their end, I believe we only have to, you know, st extend the invitation one time. Okay, cool. So um, with your uh, intuitive abilities, do mm -hmm. you have the ability to like see the future? I know some, some people are kind of, I don't know what you call that, but it's a psychic in a way of seeing the future. Right. Um, you know, for me, I can, I get feelings. That's my main information. So sometimes if somebody says, I don't know if I should do A or B, I'll definitely fill a poll. Oh, it should be B. It should be this okay. choice, you know? Okay. So I, you know, that's part of um, it. And then the other thing is a lot of times their loved ones will come through. So I had one lady I was reading for and she was offered like a lateral move in her job. And, mm -hmm. and she said, I don't want to take it. I don't want to take it. And I said, okay, well, then you have free will. Don't take it. But I'm telling you, your loved ones and your guides are saying, take it, you know, because I was getting that information from them. And she's like, but I don't want to take it. Okay, don't, you don't have to. I'm just, I'm just giving you the information, you know? Right. So she decides to go ahead and follow their guidance and take it. Two weeks later, the company got rid of her job and she would have been unemployed had she not made that lateral move. Okay. So that was all, you know, kudos to her for following the advice they were giving her because that's why she came to me. She wanted to know what they had to say, right? Uh, you know, and, and I told her, and, but having said that I knew at the time that was the best option for her because that's what they were telling me. But I didn't see that in two weeks she would lose her job if she didn't. Right. It. So it's not a specific outcome. It's more like a, this, this is kind of a nudge, the direction you should go and it, and it might work out to be. An right. Easier path. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I do think, I'm not sure how much of life really is etched in stone. I, I really think that we are always given a lot of options. Mm -hmm. um, we just don't usually realize it. Yeah, there's that whole thing about free will versus predestination and do we have soul plans and, and what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? So, you know, I really do feel like we um, come in here with a plan. Mm -hmm. I, um, I do believe that, you know, we can obviously detour off our plan. Um, and, and I don't necessarily think that's wrong because in all of my three near death experiences, I was never once like, Hey, you took the wrong turn back there. You were right. supposed to be doing this, you know? So I'm, so I don't necessarily think it's wrong if you do tour about your off your plan. But I do believe that life will try to provide you opportunities or your life guides, your angels, however you want to look at it to mm -hmm. get back on course. Um, mm -hmm. Because I do think we come here um, to learn and to grow. It really is like the classroom of life. So I think we come here with the best intentions and then sometimes things change. And I think, you know, that life happens. I also am someone I, I believe in accidents. I do believe we live on earth and it's not a perfect world. And I believe accidents happen. I do not believe every, you know, car accident on the street was planned or supposed to happen for a reason. I, I just don't. And, and there are people who will disagree with me and that's fine. That's just kind of my view. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to another um, medium and she was telling me that she believes the moment you are born and the moment you die are etched in stone and everything in between is what you do. And I thought that was interesting because I, I don't necessarily feel that way either. Mm -hmm. um, and the more I've thought about it, the more I really don't agree with that in the sense, even though I love her and she's amazing. But mm -hmm. um, because, listen, we have 7.5 billion souls on this planet. Each soul, no matter what you choose, um, if you choose religion or spirituality or no religion, you're all on your own path to God, to home, mm -hmm. right? And so I don't believe 
that 7.5 billion people would transition the exact same way when we all have such a unique path in the first place. Yeah, yeah. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I think I'm not, it's one of those questions that's kind of above our pay grade, you know. I, yeah. I, I think a lot of us wrestle with that, you know, and I think I think it's maybe, we, we think it's either or, or, maybe it's kind of both and. I think, mm-hmm. I think things work out for the best. I really, I do believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I, so I believe that everything that happens will eventually, I know everything that happens will eventually work out for the best because we're all eventually going to end up back home. So right. it, it will be okay in the end. Um, but I see people get so caught up on, you know, the free will versus uh, predetermination or predestination. And I, I don't know that we really even need to know the answer to that while we're here. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. And if you spend your time worrying about that instead of living life, then that's a problem too. You know, um, what was interesting, and I'll just, I really haven't shared this with anyone, but just last week I was presented with an opportunity um, to, to, to do mediumship on a bigger, you know, level. And um, at, at first I was like, yes. And then I started thinking about it and, I, and it honestly, it kind of scared me. I was like, oh my gosh, that might be, you know, that's definitely out of my comfort zone. What will that bring to my family life? What will, you know, what will that look like? And I started like getting a little like anxious um, and spirit like so boldly, so clearly said to me, um, and it just, it was like smack me in the face with it. Spirit said, you're not afraid to die. You're afraid to live. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, that's so true. I am not afraid to die at all, you know? But yes, it is scary to live. And then to take that a step further, actually, none of us came here to die. We all came here to live. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, yeah. You know, and so so we all know we're going home. So what are we going to do between now and then? So it was interesting because sometimes I get in my own head and then spirit's like, smack, okay, and here's the truth of the situation. You know, I can so relate to that because with me starting up this podcast and starting up the new business and everything. And, mm-hmm. and I realized the other day, in fact, I started a blog post. I haven't finished it yet. And I, I called it fear of success or fear of failure. And it's, it's kind of like a little bit of both, right? You're scared to right. do things because you're scared it might not work. But then we start to see a little bit of success for some weird reason. There's kind of a, a fear of that too. You know, what if, what if yes. this really does take off? What if it really does go in the direction that I wanted to go. I don't know why there's a fear of that, but I think it's, I think a lot of us have it. Yeah, I think so too. And, um, I, and I just think it's interesting in a way that, you know, we do come here to live and then we're afraid to live when we're here. It, it kind of in a way talks on the level about how we really are souls and spiritual beings having a human experience because our comfort zone is at home. It's in that love and that compassion and that non-judgmental place with no time, right? It's not here where there's time and there are judgmental people and we're being pushed out of our comfort zone. You know, I I really think it it speaks to just having that human experience. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I'm, and I'm really glad you brought that up. And I can say that's personally very helpful to me with, with what I'm going through, you know, right now. And sometimes you feel like, like I said, I was, I was launching this podcast last week and started to get a few people, you know, share it and, and things like that. I'm like, what if it really, you know, what if it really takes off? You know, I, I, right. it's a little bit of fear just pushing that button to, to even launch it. But I think as human beings, we, one of the things we're here to do is to overcome that fear. Mm-hmm. Is to I think we're supposed to have that fear and have something to kind of push back against, but right. part of the experience of being here is saying let's let's go ahead and go for it anyway and step out you know and see what happens and you know going back to the predestination thing I think and like I say we don't know whether it's one way or the other whether thing everything right. is planned but having the faith that no matter what happens it's going to be okay that's the that's mm-hmm. the faith I think we're supposed to have 
Exactly. And, and you know, what if it's both? What if some cold right. souls come here with predestination and others say, no, this time I want to I wanna come and do it my own way. And, you know, I mean, I, I think that's another thing as humans, right? We're always limiting ourselves. It's either going to be option A, B, or C. And God's like, but what about D, E, F, G, H, I, you know? Right, and there right. are so many other options and we're thinking, no, it's going to be this or that. But we limit ourselves every single well, day. There's so many things just as, as humans with, with the brains we have, we just can't understand. Like the whole idea of time, you know, that, mm-hmm. that the other side is timeless. I still like wrestle with what does that really mean? And, you know, there's, there's no clocks and there's no calendars, but things do happen, right? So things, right. there are events. And but from, since we can't remember what it's like to be there, it's, we, we wrestle with that. And, and then some people will say, well, then, since I can't understand it, it's impossible. And I think it's kind of the same thing with the whole free will versus predestination. We think it has to be one or the other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe it's both. Maybe it's that everything's going to work out just fine, but it may not work out exactly in the order that you expected it to. That is my life story. Nothing ever happens on my timing. (laughs) I have plans. I have timing. No, it doesn't seem to work that way. Right. But yeah, exactly. I think, I think it, it will all work out. And in hindsight, Maybe not until we're on the other side will we see that. But I, I do believe most people come here and most or most souls come here and they are successful on their journey and maybe even beyond what they had hoped for. We mm-hmm. just don't know that on this side. Yeah. So what do you think about like uh, reincarnation? Do you think we come once? Do we come back more than once? What are your thoughts on that? Well, okay, so I have, um, my thought really is this, God comes, I say God, right? But when I say God, I mean source one, the divine, whatever, Mm -hmm. universe, whatever resonates with people. I'm just used to saying the word God. Um, I believe everything that God does comes from love. And, you know, and so for some, I believe some souls, if they're like, hey, I'm one and done. One time there's enough, I'm never going back. I think God would say, okay, I love you. You know, stay here where you're comfortable. I think if another soul says, oh my gosh, that was amazing. I learned so much. I'm going back a thousand more times. I think God says, okay, I love you. (laughs) Go ahead. You know, so, so I, I think it's very individual and I, and I think we have to be careful when we make, um, really big blanket statements. I think the illusion of life, um, of life on earth, right? We're very much in the illusion of it right now. Um, I, I think that it overwhelms us, but think of it on a soul level. If you're up there and you're with your soul family and your best friends and they're kind of like, hey, let's go do this. And, and you know, it's really actually less than five minutes because there's no time where you are. You're probably like, okay, that sounds great. I'm in. I'll be there. Right. Yeah. And, and so maybe you go in to learn that lesson. And I'll, I'll tell you something that's funny. I was talking to my son and we were talking about kind of like life and the connection to your loved ones on the other side. And I said, um, you know how all the kids are on Xboxes nowadays and they have their headphones in and they're sitting there screaming at their friends who are across town playing the same game, right? Mm-hmm. I said to him, I said, okay, Josh, so it's like this. Imagine you sitting in the chair with your headphones on and the remote controller in your hand is your soul, right? Mm-hmm. And you decide, hey, this time I'm going to go on and I'm going to play whatever this is. I'm going to play Fortnite. I'm going to play whatever this game is. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get on my team, my buddy from here, 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 and here. And they all get on their controllers and they go in as a team to play that game. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, but his soul is in control sitting in the chair with the headphones on and the remote, but he's right. watching this. My gosh, I hear my kids screaming in there. You would think there really is a sniper in the room or whatever. Yeah, the way yeah, he's yeah, yeah. screaming, right? And screaming at his friends. And then if his character gets killed, oh my gosh, right? Explosion. Like, I can't believe that. But the whole time, we know that it's really a game. And that's yeah. his main soul sitting there. So I said to him, imagine if this is your, your headphones are your loved ones from heaven and they're trying to whisper to you, watch out for the sniper up there around the corner, watch out for this, you know? And, and so you have the support team that's trying to help you. Meanwhile, you're so into what feels so real, which right. is this game on TV that's going to end. Um, you know, and I said, so think of me, Josh, I'm like the headphones. I'm telling you what your loved ones are saying. He's like, Oh, so you're the input mom. I'm like, okay, I guess if that's what you want. Yeah, you know, yeah. But So I do think when I watch him play that, it kind of reminds me of how I think this life really is. I think our, there's a part of us that is fine and whole and has chosen to come here with our friends and said, Hey, this will be fun. 
I'll get on the Xbox at this time on this day. Let's do this. And then we come in and maybe we don't see the sniper around the corner. We don't see the landminer. We don't see, but whether we see it or not, we are always loved and supported and at some level have kind of volunteered for this game. Yeah. I, I love that analogy. That's, that's, I, I've thought of similar ones, but that one, I love the way you put that. I think that's, that's excellent. But we you know, I remember talking reincarnation with a friend several years ago, and this was a group of people who were uh, kind of coming out of Christianity, I guess. So this, this whole idea of reincarnation was new to us. And she said, when she heard about reincarnation, she just started crying because she had had such a tough life and, and she had, right. and she's like, I will never do this again. And I think about with myself and a lot of people I deal with, we've lost children. You know, when you hear that we've we planned this, so we thought of, you know, we, we, you know, and I, and I'm looking at a picture of Shana right here, you know, my other monitor and I can just see Shana going, yeah, let's do this. It'll be fun. You know, I'm only going to be there for 15 years, but then I'm going to leave and then you're going to do this and this and this, and then we'll be back. And that's what gets me through my day is knowing that, you know, she's safe, that she's just kind of like gone on ahead. And we used to play Mario Brothers. So, you know, the example you were giving, we, the four of us loved to just sit down and play Mario Brothers for hours. And Shane would have, like, infinite number of lives because she was the best game player ever. <laughs> when you right. go off the cliff in Mario Brothers, you don't cry about it, right? right. It's like he just regenerates and he comes right back. Yeah. Um, but we get so caught up in this life, as you said, the illusion, the mm -hmm. veil that we're behind, which I, I believe the veil is actually our bodies, that when we come into our bodies, that's the veil. I think you're um, right that we can't remember. Um, and so some of us are trying to remember and, and wake up and try to help other people to remember. So mm -hmm. it, it takes the edge off. You know, if you can get to that point, it, 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 things still hurt. Oh yeah. You know, things still happen that we don't want to happen. And it's not to say there aren't, there aren't bad things, you know, um, but ultimately they'll all be okay. Right. And, and also I would say whether we realize it or not, we are okay because what I realize when I work with people is no matter what state you're in physically in this world, your soul is always whole. Yeah. So the true you is always okay. And we have um, evidence now of mediums who are able to connect with say people who are nonverbal or who have Alzheimer's or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Right. So their bodies to us look totally like broken down. But guess what? When their soul comes through, it happened in a group reading for us just a couple weeks ago. I saw it really? happen with a lady's father. Um, and what the other medium I was working with, because we were doing a group, said, you know, I have your dad. And she said, no, you couldn't. He's, he's got Alzheimer's. And, oh, wow. and I said, no, actually, I'm, she does have your dad. You know, I could feel that connection. And he was able to communicate. And he... So on a soul level, we're always fine, whether we realize it um, on an earthly physical level or not. I, that, is, that is so great. And I want to I talk about that a little bit more because both of my in-laws uh, dealt with Alzheimer's. My father-in-law passed from Alzheimer's. My, my mother-in-law is going through it now. Mm -hmm. And my mother-in-law is just not the person that she was. I mean, her, her right. personality has changed. Um, and I won't go into any details, but you know, she's just not the person that she was. Right. And it's really hard for us to remember, as you said, her soul is still whole. Mm -hmm. So when a medium can make that connection, and I've heard about mediums making connections with people who are in comas uh, or nonverbal, but not someone with Alzheimer's. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's phenomenal. And it also shows you how no matter um, what your body's doing, your soul's still evolving and growing. Right. Yeah. So sometimes we look at people and they're in a vegetative state and we think, oh, you know, we imagine their souls just like in this standstill, not doing anything. That's not true. Just because your body's in a standstill doesn't mean your soul's not still evolving and growing and, and doing things. You know, I had a friend who had brain surgery and I was in the kitchen cooking dinner for my kids. And I looked at the clock and she was in surgery at that time. Mm -hmm. And as I was cooking, I heard her, her voice come to me and she said, it's amazing over here, but it's not my time yet. Oh, wow. and, that, and I about dropped everything I was doing because I hadn't had that happen before because my first thought was like, oh my gosh, did she transition? Like, how am I making this connection? No, she was in surgery. She came out of surgery. Um, she survived, you know, another six months or so after that. Um, mm -hmm. She did not have a recognition of what happened. Um, right. With of that meeting, but it just goes to show you that even um, while she was in surgery, her soul was able to connect with me and tell me it's amazing over there, but it wasn't her time. 
Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up. I was talking with someone the other day about consciousness, and my theory is that we're never unconscious. And they were, we're talking about, I said, when you sleep, you dream. You still have brain activity. You still have, you're still having events going on. You just don't always remember your dreams. And sometimes they come back to you later. And someone said, well, what about when you're under anesthesia? And I'm like, we can't say what people under anesthesia actually experience. We can say what they remember, which right. is usually nothing. But, mm-hmm. you know, the case with your friend makes the case for maybe when we're under, under anesthesia and that consciousness is not connected to our brain anymore, our consciousness is free. So those people could be exploring things that we have no idea about. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one of my near-death experiences, I was under anesthesia. And yet, I've had surgery a few times. I don't have any memory being under anesthesia. But that one, I came back with that really clear near-death experience. So I do believe our souls are always growing and um, evolving and experimenting whether we are aware of that or not. Wow. Yeah, that's, that is, that's really cool. I, I'm glad we touched on that because I think, that, I think that'll um, help some people you know, as I said, the, 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 the viewpoint that you and I both share now, um, one of the goals with doing the podcast is to help other people to understand that, you know, we are, when I was growing up, we were taught, you know, you have a soul. And we thought, well, when, when, you, when you die, then your soul will go to heaven or go to hell. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, what it is, is we are souls. I mean, we are spirits that are connected to these bodies. And, and I, love, I love your video game. Uh, uh, illustration. And I think about the movie like Avatar. I, I think Avatar mm-hmm. on so many levels was so brilliant because they would get in and they would manipulate these bodies, you know, remotely from sitting in there like the little pods. Right. I think that's kind of how our bodies are. Our bodies are just the receivers for our, for our spirit, which is always fine, mm-hmm. always still back at home. Um, and, you know, and our, and our loved ones that have transitioned that we think are gone, you know, mm-hmm. are still with us and still involved in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the other thing about our loved ones being um, involved in our life that's interesting is sometimes when I read for people and I'll bring through their loved ones and they'll say, well, does that mean he's not okay if he's, you know, right here giving you information? No, once you're in spirit, you're no longer confined to being in one place. So you can very much be fine and in that heavenly realm and also right next to your loved ones and connected to what they're doing with their daily life and sending them signs. You don't have to choose to be one place or another like we do when we're in body. Yeah, and there's some people that say, well, I shouldn't have medium readings because I don't want to bother them. Mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't try to, I shouldn't think of them too much because I'm going to hold them back, you know, keep them from crossing over. So what do you think about things like that? Um, I think that's us putting our human limitations on spirit, which is, I don't believe that's, you know, um, accurate. Um, I think, now here's the thing, not everyone um, will ever want to be read by medium. I think it's a different time frame, right? Some people want to be read as soon as their loved ones die. Some people take years, some people never, you know, I mean, so, so I think that it's more about what works for you. Um, There's nothing that we as humans are going to do that are going to hold our loved one's spirit back from evolving and growing and, you know, shining in its glorious light. Um, And that's, you know, I mean, that's like almost saying like, well, I shouldn't think about them every day because it's like when I do, I'm holding them back. No, you're not. They're like, oh, it's like texting them. I love you. I love you. I love you. And they're like, I love you too. I love you too. You know, it's not, um, we um, give ourselves a lot more power than we actually have. And so by thinking that we shouldn't connect with them and we shouldn't do this and that, we're going to hold them back. No, that's us wanting to be powerful humans, thinking we control more than we do. Yeah, you know, and that reminds me, you talk about the power, because I've heard other people talk about, like, you know, some people, when they transition, they can't cross into the light, and that we need mm-hmm. to, like, help them get through, like, like they're, mm-hmm. like, they need our help, right? So, right. Um, what do you think about, like, when people transition? Are they usually met by loved ones? I know your near-death experiences, they were each different, but those are near-death experiences. Those aren't, like, when right. someone actually transitions. So, what are your thoughts on that? Okay. Um, well, you know, so I do think not everyone transitions right into the light. And, I, mm-hmm. and I've had a couple experiences with that. I think most people do transition just fine. Um, I, I really do. Um, but one example that I have is I have a friend's husband who committed suicide and mm-hmm. he was afraid that he was going to be judged. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it did take a while for him to make that transition. And then actually I... I'm not someone who deals much with paranormal and the sense of ghosts and haunting and and things like that. But I was out in San Francisco at um, the Institute of Noetic Sciences and doing a study for them in February. 
And we walked, I took my daughter with me, my oldest. We walk into the hotel to check in at noon. And as soon as I walk in the door, I'm like, oh, this place is haunted. But I'm not specifically getting a, a person or an entity or a spirit. I'm just, I just know. Mm-hmm. And I, so I say to myself, I'm like, well, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to put that out there in the universe. I don't want to tell my daughter, right? So we go over, we do our experiment, and then we go to dinner. And um, we're talking, and she says, well, you know, Mom, that hotel is haunted, right? Oh, and wow. I said, well, how do you know that? And she's like, well, I can just tell. But she wasn't worried about it. So I'm like, okay, go back to the hotel that night. And it's about, I don't know, nine o'clock or something. And she's asleep on the bed because she's a teenager and I'm in the shower. And I could tell all, I've been fighting with the thermostat. I kept turning it up. It kept dropping, turn it up, drop, turn it up, drop, like nonstop. So I get in to take a shower and all of a sudden, literally in the exact same second, the water turns ice cold and the lights in the bathroom go off. And I start screaming for my daughter, jump out, grab a towel, right? And I can see in my mind this very elderly old lady. Hmm. And I realize that she's literally in between um, realms. She's not exactly here on earth, but she's certainly not, you know, in heaven or in that higher level where she needs to be. Uh, So I was like, okay, what, you know, what am I going to do now? Because that's not something I usually um, deal with. I will tell you this. What was interesting was she showed me herself is a hunched over elderly, like 80s, 90s year old lady mm-hmm. walking with a cane. Mm. And yet at the same time, though, she was able to change the water temperature and turn the lights off at the exact same moment. Mm. So she really is kind of toggling between these two worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Because she's attached to this body, which she thinks she's, you know, not healthy anymore. And yet right. she's a healthy whole spirit. So anyway, I, so my daughter gets up. The funny thing is, I'm like, oh my gosh, she just turned off the lights on me in the water. And she's like, okay. And she turns around and goes back to bed. I was, oh, Who wow. does that? I just told you what happened. And she's just like, well, I knew you'd handle it, mom. Okay, well, that's good. I'm glad you slept well. So yeah. anyway, I go to my bed and I just start praying, bringing in the light, calling in the angels. And what I can tell from this woman, the information I'm getting is she's mm-hmm. been in this hotel about 50 years mm-hmm. her time. I have no idea how long that is, you know, um, on what she was feeling. Right, for. right. And um, she's afraid. She's really afraid to go into the light. And I think right. it's because she thinks she's going to be judged mm-hmm. um, for something she did or didn't do. So I just start calling in the angels, calling in the light. I literally see them come in. I see them like kind of come beside her and start walking into the light. And I'm watching her from behind right now. And as she steps into the light, she goes from this hunched over woman to standing upright, young, takes wow. one step and is gone. Yeah. Now, I, I want to clarify something about what I said yeah. about that. I don't believe okay. that everybody necessarily transfers or transitions directly into the light. I do believe that there are people that, uh, I think it, it's a self-imposed kind of a thing right? where because of judgment or, or whatever issues, because I don't think once we, once we die that mm-hmm. we necessarily, all of our issues are solved. And I do believe that some people need help. And I believe that there are angels and guides and, and people from the other side. And I think that's their job right. to help those people through. Um, so I, I do want to clarify that. I don't, I don't think it's all necessarily yeah. just like, you know, they pop right in, but I'm just talking about right. the, the power that we earthlings sometimes give ourselves because in your case, what you did was you called in intermediaries, right? right. right. It wasn't your power that, that yeah. transitioned during the light, but it was, you were there to be kind of a, a vessel for them to come through. Yeah, yeah, almost just to encourage her. I just remember I kept yeah. telling to her, you're okay. It's going to be okay. You know, go into the light. Um, but yeah, no, um, it, any medium or healer or any person like that that tells you they're doing it themselves, I don't believe that is true. Nothing I do is me. It's always coming from a higher source. Yeah. I mean, that's for me specifically. That's how I feel. And so, yeah, you're right. I, I could not transition her. I is Michelle, but I could call in beings of light who could help her to do that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So Michelle, um, tell us about how people that are listening, how can they reach you? What are, what are the services that you offer? Yeah, so um, I offer um, any psychic medium and intuitive life coaching services, obviously some angel communication and things like that. And mm-hmm. you can just go to my website, Michelle Claire, it's C-L-A-R-E dot net. Okay. And then you're involved with something called I Empowerment. Can you tell me yes. a little bit more about what that is? I've seen it on Facebook with you, but I, what is that? 
Yeah, so I'm really excited about I Empowerment. It is a um, collaboration of people that have come together and most of them are um, pretty well-known in the Phoenix area, at least. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're really focusing on the body-mind-spirit connection. Mm -hmm. So we have um, a team of people that does do the life coaching and the helping you to empower yourself. And then people that help you, you know, with your body as far as um, eating right. And, the vibe, you know, food carries different vibrations, actually. Mm -hmm. Things like that that we didn't necessarily realize. And that organic food carries a higher vibration than non-organic and non, you know, GMO and things like that. So we're really just trying to come together as a collaboration of people to help empower people to live their best life. And what we do is we have little weekend events here and there, and we're going to have a couple big ones a year, but we want to make it affordable and easy for you to access us. So instead of just having one huge event once a year that makes you feel good and then the rest of the year you're on your own to figure out how you're going to do it, we try to empower you to help you, you know, go each step of the way. Okay, great. Well, I want to thank you very much for being the, the first guest of my podcast. Uh, no. It was a, a, a great episode. I learned learned a lot, and I think it hopefully helps, it'll help the people that are listening. Thank you. It, it's an honor to be on here with you. I admire you and everything that you do. Thanks, Michelle. Well, that's it for another episode of Grief to Growth. This is your host, Brian Smith. Reach out to me anytime at grieftogrowth.com. That's G-R-I-E-F, the number two, growth.com. I look forward to hearing from you, and I'll be back with you with another podcast soon. Hey there, if you liked this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.